You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Well. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam Biggest Men Show. To all you Proudly Resents listeners out there, just remember, you can't touch on hospitality. Oh, I got my list of uh, notes. No good. Hey, it's ProudlyResents, ProudlyResents.com. I'm here with uh, my brother, Mike Spiegelman. Hi, Adam. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, finally. Christmas hey, miracle. Hey, man, I'm Jewish. I don't appreciate it, right? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to insult you by wish, saying something nice. Um, wish me a happy birthday. Adam, happy birthday. Oh, come on, man. It's not my birthday. <laughs> hey, dude, it could be your birthday. Yeah, you don't know. How do you know? Why? Because I have a big nose? You know uh, <laughs> Today we proudly resent uh, Mike's choice. Mike proudly resents Christmas with the Cranks. Movie. What a great Sorry, real quick before we start. Uh, January 11th in New York. If you're in New York, Mike, will you be in New York? No. Then stop listening for one second. Um, you're not my audience. Look, we're doing a live show as part of the New York City PodFest, NYC PodFest. Go to our website. It's 4 p.m. on a Saturday. You can't beat that with a stick. Then you can go do something else, get a dinner, a slice of $1 pizza. Our show and a slice of pizza, $11 <laughs> total. Where are so, you going to get a dollar pizza in New York? Oh, Mike, you haven't been in New York in a while. Every corner has a dollar pizza. I haven't been they, in New York in like 20 years. They they only sell dollar pizzas now. Everyone's got to compete. It's like, it's not the best pizza. No, it's not the it's, best pizza. As you can imagine, for a dollar. And uh, yeah, everything in New York went up in price, but they balanced out the rent with the pizza price. What, uh, what's the price of a burrito in New York City? Three seventy five. You got to uh, go. Yeah. You got to go. But who wants to eat a burrito in New York City? No one. <laughs> no one. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, on the show, it's going to be Christian Finnegan and Lloyd Kaufman from wow. Troma, who we have an interview coming up with. He's going to do a special event for his new film, Class of Newcomb, Return to Newcomb High. And um, uh, there are surprises that I'm working on right now. Anyway, check that out. NYC PodFest, Saturday, January 11th. Sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, why don't you fly out? It sounds like an extraneous thing to do. I mean, you do that live and not record it and then do another show and then record that? No, I'm recording it and I think I'm going to sell it online. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So either way, you gotta, you're got you not getting it for free, people. If you live in New York, there's a blackout like they do with baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come. <laughs> it's all about the business. Okay. Uh, a few shekels. It won't be much. You'll be okay. You can afford it. Um, so, uh, Mike, yes, Christmas with the Cranks. This is your choice human... Haunting me with this movie for a long time. I haunt a lot of people with this movie. You know, uh, we do Bad Movie Night at the Dark Room here in San Francisco. And Sherilyn Connolly, who runs it, I bothered her for two years to put this movie on. And she finally did it two years ago when she wasn't in town. We did it on Christmas night. It's a great movie. Great times. She really uh, took a, a um, uh, what's it called? She really, you know put her neck out for you. She's like, listen, what day will I not be there? Christmas <laughs> night? I'll be in Fresno. Let's, why'd you do it then? And it was Accountability great. is the word I'm looking for. She took a lot of accountability for that. This uh, is like, this is like everything I look for in a bad movie, Adam. This is like the best pedigree I've ever seen for a bad movie. So when you think bad movies, you think what? John Grissom movies? This is based mm -hmm. on a John Grissom story called Skipping Christmas. So this is technically a John Grissom movie. Tell me, what, what has John Grissom done, so in case... Well, I saw The Pelican Brief, right? Um, he did The Gingerbread Man. Francis Ford Coppola is The Gingerbread Man. Uh, 
he did that one with that guy and that other guy, the white guys who blew up uh, people and uh, Chris O'Donnell and Gene Hackman, was it? I don't remember the movie. So he does those kind of like thriller movies normally. Yeah, oh, the, firm. the Firm is probably the most famous one with Tom Cruise. So it's a complete genre. Oh, that was oh, Tom Cruise is in that? The Firm. Oh, I saw a different The Firm. <laughs> you oh, saw right. that in West Hollywood, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Pussycat. Who knew? Uh, who knew? Yeah, ironic. Uh, so this is like, so you ha- this is a John Grissom movie, and a Christmas one, no less. Uh, it's written by Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus, who wrote and directed the Home Alone movies, among many others. So, again, high pedigree for a, uh, a Christmas movie. And speaking of Christmas movie, it's a Tim Allen Christmas movie. Right, so that's hard to get. I mean, obviously he made three Santa Claus films. He actually made this in between two Santa Claus 2 the Mrs. Claus and Santa Claus three. Here comes Martin short. This was in between those two. Oh, so, uh, he had some downtime. So they get Mark. So what you're saying is to get Tim Allen to do a Christmas movie. is kind of a big deal. It is kind of a big deal because that's, it's a cottage industry. These are all cottage industries. Uh, and not only that it's produced by my favorite studio, uh, revolution studios, which during the, uh, O's, the aughts came out with such movies as like Geely and, um, White Chicks, uh, Rent, Triple X2, Man of the House, Are We There Yet? Zoom. So it's a ter- not only is it a bad uh, studio of known for bad movies, it's directed by the chairman, a guy named Joe Roth, who also directed America's Sweetheart, and I believe Anger Management. Oh, wow. And uh, we didn't call him the Alts, we called him the Ooze. The Ooze, the O's. Ooze. Uh, yeah, and they made a lot of crappy films, and this is one of them. It's weird you say it's a Christopher Columbus movie because it's not f- funny. It's, I mean, there are a couple of funny scenes. I won't be a total jerk, but it starts out so dark and depressing. It's like that Revolutionary Road movie with <laughs> Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like a, a really, really depressing film. You think they're going to get divorced. It's like a Paul Marzerski film. You think, <laughs> you know, they, they, it opens with them in bed and he goes, oh, is it that day? And she's like, it's that day. I was like, oh no, Sophie's Choice? Is this, <laughs> what is going on here? The there's Nazis so knocking much, on the door? There's so much sexual repression in this movie that it starts off with them in bed looking disappointed, like they're not going to get any. And what the reason why they were disappointed is that their precious uh, only child is leaving the house. They're going to be empty nesters. Their daughter is, of course, joining the Peace Corps. Go to Peru, right? Nowhere nearby, and this is in two thousand five. So the uh, cell phones are huge, <laughs> tablets don't exist, and uh, right, it's all about the faxing in two thousand five. Oh, yeah. She's she's on a, a payphone throughout. Everyone's on payphones in this movie. There's no. It's nice. It's a simpler time. It's you a better know, time. Jamie Speaking Lee of, Curtis is waiting in the car, and she's knitting. She's not on her phone. She's actually not knitting, Mike. She's sewing. <laughs> <laughs> She's mending a Christmas sweater, so don't be such a jerk. Don't be so. She's not knitting, she's mending. Oh, uh, I got you. <laughs> but it is kind of like a um, a white Christmas. I mean, it's such like I'm gonna say Fox News, but that kind of like idealistic, uh, you know, white people, kind of Caucasian, perfect. What you know, like on Fox News, obviously last week, the woman said, uh, uh, "Santa Claus is white and Jesus is white." Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, just, so it's like that world where it's like, people are just like, no, no, Santa Claus is white people. Well, there are black people in this movie, and none of them die whoa, first. Whoa, whoa. Black person. 
Uh, well, they have a black neighbors, and he's wacky. His name is Wes. He's and, a great actor. Uh, oh, that's the guy from uh, Fear of a Black Hat. Yeah, which is a great film. I and, gotta tell you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, it is right. There's one black family in the whole place, and he allows him to steal his Christmas tree. So it's like he's stealing from the one black person on the block. Right, and all the white neighbors are looking in the window going, oh my God, our black neighbor is being robbed. <laughs> <laughs> totally unrealistic. <laughs> they would have arrested him, the neighbor. Yeah, they first. would have arrested the neighbor. <laughs> right, take his own tree. Uh, this movie has so many great people in it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Tom Poston, uh, uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who I think is terrific in this movie. He's probably the heart and soul of the whole film. But there's nobody in this film who's not high pedigree. Even the cops are Chief Marin and Jake Busey. Everyone's kind of a high standard. You know, like whoever casted this casted nothing but the best. Hey, I don't know if it was favors or it's like, wow, Joe Roth and Christopher Columbus. And this is going to be great. You know, we got Tim Allen. I think once you get Tim Allen in a Christmas film, it's kind of easy to book everyone else. And yeah, so Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it. She's great in this. And her friends are uh, Charlotte Ray, Catherine Ray, excuse me, right? And yeah, uh, Felicity Huffman. All right, so and Felicity Huffman is obviously a great actress. Charlotte Ray would have been a better choice than Carolyn Ray, but um, <laughs> you know, Carolyn Ray's fine. Charlotte Ray from uh, from uh, Facts of Life. The the school marm. Um, but you know what's funny about the the Carolyn Ray scenes is like I couldn't tell. It's the typical scene they always have when they have the main person and the friend. So they're at the mall or something, at a coffee shop or something, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the middle. Uh, Felicity Huffman's on one side and Carolyn Ray's on the other, but Carolyn Ray's churned so much you don't see her face. Uh huh. And I was just like, oh, is that Carolyn Ray? And then finally she gives a line like out to the camera and then back you don't see her head. So, you thought it was a double or something? I Maybe she wasn't available that day. And they're like, can we get <laughs> that Carolyn Ray double? They're in two scenes. And that's it. They don't show up to the party at the end, her best friends. They don't show up at the party. I don't see Felicity Huffman at their party at the end of the movie. They can't, well, A, probably didn't have the money for it, but B, no, there's a plot line where she says, we can't get our friends to the party, let's get our neighbors. Uh, so oh, let's explain the plot of the movie. So the daughter's going to go to um, Peru. Peru, which in, in this case in the movie, it seems so far away, you know. Um, so he's going to Peru, which doesn't seem like she's going to Mars, but it sounds like Mars. And um, they don't need to do Christmas this year, so he figures out they spent six grand for Christmas. Six One, grand? Can we can, can we back up and talk about the <laughs> the elephant in the room about this movie? They are the most privileged white people who don't know any. The only Jew in this movie is a guy who walks in while uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is suntanning in a bikini, and this Jewish guy walks into the wrong room. And he goes, oh, you know. And oh, you know walks, who that? You know who played the Jew? Who? Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Oh, get the fuck out of here! I didn't recognize him. <laughs> so, He's yeah, not even Jewish. It's high pedigree. Yeah, he came in just act Jewy. Uh, well, excuse me. I being a stereotype at this exact moment. I've uh, never seen a woman inside a tanning salon getting tanned. I didn't expect a woman in a bikini in a tanning salon. Well, uh, my mother was raped by Cossacks in a tanning <laughs> salon once, and they looked fantastic. By the way, it's, it was like they were in Bermuda, but uh, same time, village slaughtered. I feel like I'm watching a young Woody Allen listening to you. Oh, Tell the story about the moose. Anyway, um... Hunting moose upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. There's, so there's no Jews in the neighborhood. There's one point where these cowlers said, what's up with the no decorations? Are they Jewish? No. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Would so that have been okay? So anyway, so they, they can't... They, they live decide, in a world. They live they in live a in world, world where you spend $6,000 for Christmas. 
$6,132 again. And I, by the way, I got to tell you, Adam, this movie reminds me a lot like a Jerry Lewis movie, like later Lewis when he always plays a dad or something. They even have a scene where uh, uh, Tim Allen is calculating the expenses and he's clicking away on the calculator and they use that typewriter song, that Jerry, famous Jerry Lewis typewriter song uh, while doing it. So they're very self-conscious that the fact that this is kind of a later day Lewis movie. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but I did notice the song and I'll put it in maybe right now while we're talking, but... Uh, it is kind of a cool thing that is the uh, typewriter bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, a typewriter, by the way, it's like a computer without a screen. <laughs> just for the younger listeners. The daughter uh, calls from the phone. He goes, he's, he's calling from the phone? How expensive is that? <laughs> like, oh, 2005. I get it. Yeah, I get uh, it. I get it. Um, so, yeah, the daughter goes away. They figure they spent six grand on Christmas. Uh, again, that's bizarre because they only use the same ornaments every year. They. Um, they spend six grand on Christmas. Why don't we spend three grand on a cruise? It seems like that is just a simple decision, right? I mean, like... I find that really odd because, again, it's sexual repression. He... I would love to talk about this scene, but in the midst of a chaos, he looks at a Caribbean cruise, no brand name, not princess, no brand name, and he sees a woman in a bikini, and suddenly he's like, I like this. It's a really sexually repressed movie. He doesn't get any. She doesn't get any. And so that kind of attracts. There was a scene beforehand. Can we talk? So he gets this epiphany because he's stuck in the rain. It's a suburb of Chicago and it's raining in December. And she wants him to get him some food. And he goes to the store in the rain and there's Santa Claus selling Santa Claus umbrellas. Because you know how seasonal that is. In Chicago, in the Chicago suburbs, he's going to make a killing off of uh, umbrellas with Santa Claus's face in the middle of it. Oh, but, looks, Santa, but umbrellas in the winter, you're going to make a ton of money in Chicago. Yeah, he's a genius. Santa's a genius. So he's stuck in the rain. He gets splashed. Now, we're going to talk about hypothermia, right? This movie is very heavy-handed when it comes to slapstick. A uh, awning collapses, and tons of water pours on his head. And I'm sure the moment they finished that cut, he ran into a hot tub, and they had medics to take care of Mr. Allen to make sure he doesn't catch hypothermia. But in this movie, it just happens. Well, you luckily know? for them, they shot it in the Chicago suburb of Burbank, California. <laughs> it looks like a lot. I mean, have you been on any... And Mike, I'm not here to throw shade at you. I, I understand you live in San Francisco. Right. But uh, when, if you drive on a lot, we have a lot of these. Uh, they have fake streets, like New York City streets. But oh, yeah. um, but that's what it looked like. It looked like one of the... It's almost recognizable. And again, Mike, I don't mean to throw shade at you. But when you work on a lot and you walk through... No. You, so tell me, what's it like to work on a lot? No, no, no. But years ago, I worked on Warner Brothers lot. No big deal. And um, no, but to go to get lunch, you had to walk through the New York City, the street scene. And uh -huh. it was just funny to walk through. If you ever watched the show uh, Shameless on Showtime, that's supposed to be Chicago. That whole strip is right there. And they just reshoot things around the, the grocery store where the gay brother works. That's right you know, in the corner. And then where ER used to shoot the exterior. It's all in the same area. It's just funny to see a commercial, every commercial shot in that same fake block. So you can kind of get that feel of that fake city street. It's not a city. It's like an affluent suburb set. You know what I mean? Like, so that's their description of what a suburb looks like. And it, it looks very hoity-toity, you know. Well, well, by the way, Mike, in all fairness, it yeah, looks like where we grew up. <laughs> a little bit. It does look like Church Street, I guess. Uh, yeah. So he, he tells her, like, at the dinner table, he says, honey, I'm going to do, I have something wild. And she thinks he, he's going to have sex with her on the table. And, and uh, How do you know that? Because she says, it's not Saturday. It's not Saturday. <laughs> and she's so piqued about it, she starts drinking, gulps down her wine, his wine, 
And she's, you know, she's a very funny actress. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that she does, other than she's married to Christopher Guest. I mean, I have no problem with her. But she. Uh, what do you got against Christopher Guest? Baron Guest. He's a Baron, dude. He's don't look him in the eyes. I, I think he's a jerk. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't he like a hoity-toity jerk? I don't know. I'm sure Mrs. Curtis is fine. Uh, so anyway, she, she thinks he's going to have sex. And in fact, he's showing the paperwork that they could afford this this cruise. So she thinks they're going to do it on the table. And she's denied. It's really weird. But I love the, the preparation before sex scenes. Like we talk about that with uh, that movie, uh, High Resort, or John Favreau's about to masturbate. And instead of just masturbating, they got to do stuff to lead up to it. So they make stuff up where he gets the tissues ready. And uh, so she does the same thing. She's like, I got to get drunker. I, she fixes, she doesn't take off her vest, but she kind of moves her vest around and gulps it on one. She her Christmas vest. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. It's so not quite trading places. Stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, well, can we talk about another elephant in the room? Your favorite movie is Trading Places. That's where Jamie Lee Curtis shows her breasts to Dan Aykroyd. Well, this movie has Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis in it, and she shows her breasts, albeit in a bikini form. And it's really depressing to think, wow, 30 years later from Trading Places, here we are. I think of Trading Places when I see that scene. I I mean, she looks terrific. Don't get me wrong. I I have no problem with that scene. Tom Poston plays a preacher who can't stop looking at her. He bumps into her at the shopping mall. For some reason, they have to get tanning. They have to get Botox. They have all these crazy things. Yeah, that was the weird part. But I thought the Tom Poston guy who kept looking at her boobs, it was just kind of awkward. The preacher... The the preacher. that keeps looking at her yeah that, I thought that was really funny uh, and weird and, and she looked great but it was like you're just shitting on uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest I was like I, I, what went through my mind was like Mike she did so much for you when you were a preteen she <laughs> showed you her breast in, in training places you should yeah, everything I she does you should appreciate <laughs> she made you a man yeah oh yeah it's fair enough but it, it was interesting that here's another movie with them and she shows her breasts Right, right. She's still showing yeah. off her body like true lies and whatever. Yeah. 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 Just- when will it end? Well, at least she doesn't do that in those pooping uh, yogurt commercials. She keeps her clothes on. Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Do you think want- there's, there's a whole generation of kids who only know her from pooping yogurt commercials? Well, there's a generation that grew up that knew her as a scream, uh, a scream queen because she did uh, like Fright Night and Halloween 1 and 2 and not Fright Night. There was a movie like on a train or something that she did. Uh, but she was a horror person and then comedy kind of came her way and uh, she just kind of blossomed into it you know we're we're fan i'm a big fan of her i think she saves this movie in a lot of ways what about dan Aykroyd? he's uh, doing that that dan Aykroyd character frohmeyer yeah. yeah he gives a big speech about christmas we need to get a christmas party here's a detailed minutiae list of things and i'm saying it in a solid dan Aykroyd voice you know when why he gets- is it so important to dan Aykroyd? He runs the block. They live in a suburban block where they have to spend thousands of dollars on Christmas decorations to look all the same because they're all Christians on that block. And that's what you do. And when they refuse to put up their decorations, the best. Now, he has a kid, right? And he's played by the Malcolm in the Middle young kid. Uh, What in their universe is their son's name? Is it Bob? Is it John? It's Spike. Yeah, of course. Of course it's Spike. (laughs) it's either spike or buster or you know of course his name is spike you know i mean why because this is such a idyllic white world or it's such a cartoon sitcom world that the smunky little kid is named spike you know like it's it's just a weird cartoon world what else would he be called it's weird that uh tim allen's character is luther crank and i'm sure that was in the original story because they keep calling him luther but you live in a world where 
no one's really named Luther in their, their world. You know, it just seems like a fart when they say their, his name. So, of course, in their universe, kids are named Spike, and they're, they're troublemakers. And my favorite is uh, they refuse to put up a tree. They refuse to put up Frosty. And so Dan Aykroyd gives a knowing look to his 10-year-old son, and the, knowing, the 10-year-old son nods back like he knows. In his 10 years of existence, he knows what that, that look means, you know? Like, let's do it again. You know, I mean, like, I, I thought that was kind of creepy. And there's some weird slapstick where he's trying to harass Jamie Lee Curtis and he's got his hands in her windows and her car windows and she closes it on his hands and he's running down the street screaming. Legitimately like, scary scenes because you said she was a street scream queen. There's a scene where uh, Tim Allen goes to work. She calls him from like lying on the floor because outside are all the neighbors uh, yelling at her that she's got to put her frosty snowman up. And they're like gonna beat her up. They're gonna. They got. They could have torches at this point. It's such a weird thing that it's, it's so such a serious. Weird, and they're all guys. They're all guys harassing this woman inside her house. There's like not a, like a female spike kid in there. And the no, bunch. no, no. Yeah, it's all. You're right. It's all guys. It's pretty scary. And Tim Allen's like, just get out. You'll be fine. We'll meet. We'll get a beer. <laughs> we'll get a beer. Yeah. Oh my god. Can I tell you the funniest? Like, there's a, my favorite scene. It has to be ad lib. They're in the mall and they just had dinner at, at a pub and they're going down the mall escalator. And Tim Allen says, apropos to nothing, he says, uh, you know, you know what's odd is when an Irish pub serves fish tacos. And then he, Chris, makes, he yeah. follows that up with a fart joke. He's like, oh, but it doesn't sit well. Like, just you to kind of sell it. Chris Columbus did not write that line. I'll bet you a million dollars that he just said that line. Okay, go down the escalator and have a conversation. And I'm sure Tim Allen starts talking about Irish pub fish tacos. Hey, he's a stand-up, you know. He had lived the line. He's getting, and they were like, oh, that's hilarious. Hey, you got a fart joke out of it. I think that's the only the only thing I would say good about. It. Oh, listen, we get one fart joke. That's good. We got. Yeah, it. there's good. only one fart joke in this movie. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Um, it is like a mammoth movie in the beginning. It is kind of just like a serious film. It, it um, he yeah he gives a big speech um at the end too, which I thought was weird. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. So let's talk about uh, his neighbor across the street, their older couple. What's the, the actor's name? M.M. Walsh. M.M. Walsh, yeah. And the actress herself, she's kind of been in soap operas. She's a famous actress. I don't, you know, what have you. But he's probably the heart and soul of the movie. He's one of the few people in that movie that really kind of is grounded. You know, he's his wife is, is sick and she's not going to – there's news that there's nothing they could do. And he's very sad. And <clears> – <throat> He won't take uh, Tim Allen's crap. He keeps calling Tim Allen old man, which riles uh, Tim Allen up. And I think that's just a great scene. You know, like the movie's complete trash, but I thought that scene was kind of poignant. It's such a hodgepodge film. There's like weird slapstick and poignant moments like this, you know? I would I would agree 100%. Like, I think that was the only good part of the film was his interaction with them. And then them, uh, at the end, he kind of has a, a change of heart and it, it directs them. And yeah, I feel like that, Besides that, the movie was just crass and bad, but even that was weird. So he keeps stepping on their cat's tail. <laughs> it's a Joe Roth movie, so cats are going to be stepped on and sound effects will be played, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was weird. They have this rivalry, him and the cat. Like, the cat just hates him. And then, so the guy's kind of a dick to him, calls him old man, even though he's clearly much older. And Tim Allen says, you're only 10 years older than I am. Like, no, no, he's a lot older than you. But- <laughs> yeah, how old is Evan Walsh and how old is Tim Allen? Yeah, Tim Allen, right, is in his late 40s. M.M. Walsh is not in his late 50s. Yeah. Uh, or Leslie looks terrible. I don't know. Uh, he looks great for 70, terrible for 50. And his wife, uh, they kind of allude that, says that she has cancer. Like, he says, how's your wife? He says to the wife, 
in the middle of the street, how are you doing? And she's like, you know, today was a good day. I have good days and bad days. And like immediately you're like, oh, she's got cancer. <laughs> you know? And then she says to the husband, I'm going to go make breakfast. I'm going to go make you breakfast. And you're like, you're going to make her make breakfast? You, you horrible person. <laughs> They're just going along their ways, their simple ways. But yeah, it was, I thought they handled her pretty well. It wasn't like the room type of I have cancer. It wasn't like, far from it, though. <laughs> the, the, the characters were all sympathetic to her. I mean, I, I thought they actually treated her pretty nicely. You know, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis gave her a hug. Right. One, well, the, one of the Carolyn Ray scenes is her crying that the woman's going to die and it's her last Christmas. Like, now, wow, is, that's heavy. Is that her daughter? I never understood the relationship between them. I, I assume that they were related because she all she says is blah, 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 is going to get cancer. It's going to be her last Christmas. And I figured they're not going to introduce a new character at this point. So right. it's got to be her with cancer. And then the second time you see her, she also says, I'm going to go in and bake cookies. And that's how she So she cooking is going to save her for uh, chemo and cooking. Yeah, because if, if it's Carolyn Ray was their, their relative or related to them, I would figure they would be spending Christmas Eve with them. Why, you know, yeah, they, instead of by themselves, yeah, which is sad. There's a party across the street with all the neighbors. Yeah, that was like the saddest part of the film, and and I thought the only part that really worked. Uh, here's a part that I, I I thought of you immediately. He's in his office, Tim Allen, and he calls his wife. I guess maybe she's being harassed by the neighbors, and there's blatant product placement. What was in there? Oh, you usually notice this stuff. A di- he's got a Diet Coke <laughs> on his a- desk. The only thing on his desk is a Diet Coke and a yogurt, uh, Dan and yogurt. Oh, my what? God. There's some product placement in this movie. And she goes to the shopping mall and she crashes into a Pepperidge Farm Christmas display. Uh, I know they go to the Salvation Army. Talk about a weird product placement. There's a big sign. They do charity work at Salvation Army serving food. And they had the logo and everything. So that's a good product placement. Yeah, yeah I don't know. If that, you're right. It was product placement or just realism. But. Uh, it's so weird that, yeah, she does uh, charity because she's a woman. You know, no reason to have a real job. Well, she's right? rich. She's rich and she spends right. her time with charity, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's nice of her. I appreciate it. Kind of like the Jeffersons. Wheezy Jefferson was always going to do some charity event. She never really went to a job, you know. Yeah. So it was helping uh, the center. She worked at the center. You know, I really liked Austin Pendleton in this movie. Uh, you, he's an actor that one generation knows him from the Muppet movie as the guy who didn't want to eat uh, Kermit's legs or whatever. Like he worked for Dr. Hopper. Uh, but I know you probably know him from Skidoo, the Jackie Gleason acid movie. He gives Jackie Gleason acid in the prison cell. He no, plays. I, yeah, no, I'm not that old. I know the Muppet movie. Reference. Yeah. I, I saw it with you in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know who <laughs> was, I'm talking about. That I was the guy sitting next to you. Yeah, you're eating his popcorn. You remember? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't remember. But uh, remember, you owe me a dollar. Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, I'll pay you later. What? Uh, he uh, he's like a really good actor, and he plays. He's kind of selective in his roles. You know, like he showed up in Wall Street too, and he's like a good guy. So it was really interesting to see him in here, and he shows up as a party crasher. You know, and he's all in tweed, and he's Marty. They don't know who he is, and at the end, it reveals he was the Santa Claus selling umbrellas and in fact i don't know adam there's a weird scene at the end where it goes home alone it was totally different it changes i don't know about home alone but it just changed the whole movie changed yeah 
because you know this movie falls apart because when they they say we're we're gonna avoid Christmas, we're avoiding Christmas, and then the churn is that the daughter calls, "I'm coming back with Enrique from Peru, and we're engaged, and we want to go to a Christmas party." Suddenly, they have to do a 180 and and set up a Christmas party for that night, and the movie goes in this weird doldrum where she has to chase around to buy stuff, and there's a whole thing about uh, Mel's hickory ham. She wants the ham. She's gonna cook the ham. She buys the ham off of someone line. The ham gets run over. Marty shows up with a can of ham, which is like, what are you going to do? Cook that in six hours and serve it when party guests are leaving? You know, it's like a can of ham. I assume it's already pre-cooked. You want to take a break? Ginny, <laughs> do you like podcasts? I love podcasts. Do you like live podcasts? Uh, yeah, yes. Well, that's great because in New York, in, in January 11th through 12th, there's the New York Podfest. Keith, have you heard of this New York podcast? I am going to. Keith and the girls going to be in it? Yeah. Gene, are you a big fan of uh, Hang Out With Me, of Eddie Pepitone? All those things, yes. I'm a huge fan. Okay, great. What about Tell Your Friends with Liam McEnany? Yeah, that's great. What about spending your time at a bar? Do you enjoy that? Yeah, with friends. And what's your favorite podcast? Is it? Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I don't want to interrupt you. um, But anyway, you can. Yes, so you can buy tickets at. You know what? You can buy tickets. Where? We're going to have a Hold on. I'll tell you. Listen, she's all over the place, Keith. It's ridiculous. You can go to proudlyresents.com slash live NYC for tickets for Proudly Resents. And then also where to get the other shows. Who really cares? Right, Janine? Right. I mean, that's how I feel. Uh, Whatever. Okay, great. Okay, Okay, good. So January 11th through 12th, and January 11th at 4 p.m. is the Proudly Resents show. And Keith, when is your show? Uh, so That's great. Janine, I'll, I'll see you later. Thanks for coming. Back to the show. Hey, Ed, how weird was it? So the, their daughter and her fiancé, Enrique, shows up, and Cheech Marin is waiting with Jake Busey, and they're holding a sign that says, Blair and Enrique. Like, Cheech Marin never heard the word Enrique before. It's, it says her name, and the, and N period, Enrique. <laughs> when the daughter calls and says she's coming home with Enrique, the mother, of course, is ecstatic, but the father is furious because is it because he's marrying Enrique? Is that why? I thought this is a weird racist thing. Well, you know, as as a dad, I I see it slightly different. That she's going to the Peace Corps to do Peace Corps stuff, and the moment she walks in there, she's already engaged. Why I oughta? If it wasn't Enrique, would you be okay with it? Yeah, if it was uh, maybe a guy named Blair. Blair. Oh, yeah, Blair or Hunter. What are the guy's name was? Blair and Blaine. Spike. What about Spike? Spike. <laughs> I think know, you'd be more pissed at Spike than than anything. Did else. you know that Spike Frohmeyer went back in time and sued and sued Spike TV for using his name? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Weird reference. I like it. Um, I like the neighbors when the neighbors were getting together to help them instead of haunting them. I thought that was kind of cool part of the film. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but then I thought while watching. Dan Ecker gave this great speech about how we have to help the cranks get Christmas together to, to fool their daughter that they've always had Christmas. Why aren't they doing the same thing to help the woman who's dying of cancer? That's a like great she's point. Got, she's got to make her own breakfast, her own cookies. Couldn't, couldn't somebody help? Well, maybe she's very private, and the, the the cranks are not private people at all. They wear their neurosis on their sleeves, and uh, they're always like the drama of the block. <laughs> yeah, so this movie goes really weird. So there's a real lull. The movie grinds to a halt when they have to immediately get... Uh, uh, all the supplies for the party, and the cops kind of delay the couple coming, and they wind up picking up a criminal, and they put him in the back seat with them, and uh, they keep the criminal in the back seat of the co- police car, and and the cops go to the party. Right, and um, but there's some kind of Christmas miracle. You think that guy would reform, but he doesn't. He tells Spike, "Hey, kid, 
I got a family and I'm really cold. I haven't eaten in six days. Can you take me out of this police car and take me out of these handcuffs and just let me get a bite to eat? So the, the 10-year-old boy unlo- opens the locked police car, takes the keys for the, the handcuffs, and uh, unlocks it and lets him in. And what does the guy do? Well, the guy immediately hands his plate to one of the uh, carolers and grabs a bag and goes upstairs, I think moving his hands like this, misery, and darting his eyes back and forth in case you don't know he's a thief. I think that was his direction. Can you dart your eyes back and forth, rub your hands together, and hold this big sack that has a dollar bill on it and go upstairs? <laughs> How do you know he's a thief? Uh, <laughs> How can you tell? So How can you tell? It becomes home alone. Like They put a bunch of crazy stuff at the end. Like they got to cover every Christmas movie trope, I guess. Suddenly, Spike is confronting this criminal, and the criminal, of course, falls down. There's a scene where a guy is frozen, stuck to Frosty, which is a Christmas story. So you have Home Alone, a Christmas story. And then, of course, the ending, Santa Claus, Marty, is actually Santa Claus, who flies off with reindeer on a Volkswagen at the end of this movie, while an animated Frosty decoration waves to the camera, and Santa Claus flies off, and it says, the end. So what world are we living in? And why was it a Volkswagen? I never got that. I I never saw Marty drive up in a Volkswagen. I don't know. And where was the reindeer? Well, you had a Volkswagen. The reindeer in the front, usually in regular sleighs, but in a Volkswagen, they have it in the back. You know, that's just the way Volkswagens are. The front is where he stores all the presents, and yeah. the reindeers are, are in the back. Oh, but, you know, with, with, the, um, with the bad guy going into the house, so the kid, you know, he right, he hands the caroler the plate, and he goes upstairs to steal shit. All I could think about was that. Yeah. Was the rest of the movie was... Because there's a lot, another 20 minutes happens before we go back to him. And all I can think of is, there's a guy robbing your house. Why are we, Why are we settle listening? that? And what's up with Spike? Like, can we get the evolution of Spike? He's a little Muppet who wants Frosty and he's harassing this woman. Then he joins forces with Tim Allen and he helps Tim Allen. And then he lets a burglar free. Like, I don't know what's, what to make of this kid. Did this kid learn a lesson halfway through this movie? What What is he learning in this film? Who is this kid? You, you want more backstory? Well, there's a... There is Spike fan fan fiction. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the uh, when Tim Allen gives the cruise tickets to the old couple, I've never seen old people so happy in their lives. They're like a cruise. How'd you know? Old people love this. And in a post nine eleven world, it was funny for him to say, uh, "I got two plane tickets. I'll just transfer them over to you. No big deal." Deal. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you have a problem, but, talk to me on the payphone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. So he's gonna buy them tickets. Uh, I thought that was a really sweet scene. I thought that was the best part of the film. I agree uh, with you. Yeah, without that, the film was uh, just random crap. Oh, I mean, that was random too, but I liked it. You know, here's my favorite scene. My favorite scenes in movies is when there's a uh, a rich guy and he has underlings, he has secretaries, and the secretaries always have an opinion. Like mm-hmm. when he walks when he walks into the office, they're like, "Oh, hello, Mr. Dallin." He writes a memo saying, "I'm not celebrating Christmas." He walks around the office, and they're all giving him looks, and I love that. that did you ever see a movie called "I Think I Love My Wife," Chris Rock? Sure. Uh, so Chris Rock uh, is is bringing this hoe, basically, a skank into the office. And, you know, all the secretaries give him disapproval looks like, don't you have a wife? Who asked him? He's a rich guy and you're poor. You don't have to give opinion. You're not there to be a Greek chorus. And the same in this movie, you know, all the, the female secretaries are giving him looks like, oh, can't believe you're skipping Christmas. Who asked you? You don't make as much money as him anyway. You know, why do you give a care? 
I, I think right. I think uh, for us, it's a weird movie because we grew up not celebrating Christmas. So it's like, oh yeah, what's the big deal? He didn't celebrate Christmas. Well, know? there's no Jews in this movie. I mean, there's no. Dang. It's everything's Christmas. Marty. Marty, you think Marty's Jewish? He's Santa Claus. Well, here's a world world where a guy's name is Marty. He's not even Jewish. <laughs> I know that's really- there's a wait, there's a white guy named Luther and a Catholic guy named uh, Marty. Come on, what, know, what goes on here? Marty also. Uh, speaks Peruvian and he's familiar with Peruvian music and not only does he have a guitar a Peruvian guitar but the the stationary guy the guy in the stationary store in the beginning of the movie he has a pan flute and he's playing that during the during the party and then Dan Aykroyd pulls out an accordion because he's Polish I guess and he just happened to have this accordion and they all play this song it's really weird yeah it was weird but I did like the song I do want to, there was another nice moment. I think I was sold in a movie from, you know, at one point from the speech on. Which is um, an hour and a half into the movie. All right, well, that's what got me. But, yeah, the, uh, another, the stationary guy, like, literally not a guy who stands there, but a guy who sells stationary. Again, it's 2005. He goes up to Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis in the street and says, why don't you uh, have Christmas cards this year? Like, could you imagine walking down the street in the fucking most frivolous guys chasing you down. Why don't you have Christmas cards? He doesn't stop. He walks into the restaurant or he to, <laughs> and he sits. You see him on screen sitting at the table directly behind them giving this can you believe look. And I'm not joking. He's talking to the people. At the, I don't know who's sitting on that table, but he sits down and he goes, can you believe Mrs. Crank over there? She's not buying Christmas cards this year. And like this becomes this big gossip in this weird restaurant, you know. It, it was weird. I mean, it seemed like too late to get Christmas cards. Like, if you're that into Christmas, you would have you would, it before uh, November. You would have it before Thanksgiving. So, would you recommend this film to people? Absolutely. I think you should take your elves and your Christmas story and your Home Alones and your diehards and shove them up your ass because Christmas with the Cranks is the Christmas movie that should be watched every hour on the hour. It has everything you need. It has sitcom situation. It has frozen cat jokes. It has people falling on frozen ice and not getting hurt. Uh, it has sound effects. My favorite sound effect that. He turns to Santa Claus. Santa Claus goes, you sure you don't want an umbrella? He goes, zip it. And you can hear the sound stop. Like, there's no sound when he says zip it. You can hear the guy goes, uh. Like, it's all perfectly sound. I do love this movie. It's a hodgepodge. But I do like this movie. A lot of great actors are in this movie. It's not a bad way to be introduced to Tom Poston. You know, uh, it's not a bad way to to see a Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Uh, Tim Allen's solid in it, you know? Like, there are some weird moments... A lot of scenes are like meant for the trailer, like that scene with the Botox. It wasn't meant for the movie. It was just meant for a joke in the trailer because he doesn't have Botox anymore afterwards. And Botox probably costs more than six grand to begin with. I don't know why he needed Botox. I don't know why he needed a tan, but I can get that before you're going on the Caribbean. But right, why did he need Botox? He became this selfish guy. There's a route that didn't go down. The selfish guy because he wasn't going to celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And so when he gives the cruise away, he... Uh, he un- becomes unselfish. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right, well... Um, I do recommend this movie, Is there a moral to the story? Uh, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Yeah. Don't don't conform. Uh, you have to conform to your neighbors or they will hunt you down. And it has to be yeah. for... You have to spend $6,000 on Christmas every year. Yeah, don't be Jewish is my... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Not in this world. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, Thanks, Adam. So, listen, if you are looking for a last-minute Christmas gift or a gift for yourself, Mike has a very funny joke book called The Mike Speaking One Joke Book. 
It's available. And if you go to LuggageTuesdays.com, I'll have a link up and just click that, and there's more information on how to print one or how to get one. Uh, yeah, go to uh, ProudlyResents.com slash Cranks with an S, and uh, there'll be a link to to get Michael's book. It's very, very cheap. It's on the low side. Yeah. It's very funny. A lot of funny jokes in there. Thanks, uh, is it for kids, or is it, uh, some of it's is it kid-friendly? It's kid-friendly-ish, yeah. I mean, the blue stuff <laughs> it is... It depends on your kid. I have if your kid is Spike, it's okay. Yeah, if your kid's name is Spike, you'll be all set. Uh, I also... Quickly promote, if you're not going to be in New York City for the NYC podcast, I am doing two shows at the San Francisco Sketchfest next month, so uh, check me out. What are the dates? Uh, It's February 6th, and then I think Sunday, January 28th. Uh, I'm I'm part of a showcase, and then I'm hosting and Les Milton and a a New York City group called Bellevue, and that's at the Dark Room Club. Fantastic. If you listen to the show, you want to listen to older episodes, go back, check the archives while you're on iTunes, say something nice about us. But uh, we have an interview with Shadow Stevens we just put up, and have an interview either up or coming up with Dean Cameron from Summer School, and uh, yeah, yeah, and Catherine Wilhoit from Private School. So whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. I just edited it last night. Great movies, both school films. Mike's a big fan, yeah. and Ski School. Dean's in Ski Ski School. I love Dean's Ski School. It's a great movie. Yeah, he's a great actor. All right. I'll All right. Just, to it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Hi, Molly. Can you give Molly a wave? Yeah. Adam says hi. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Adam. All right. Bye. Adam, that, we're, we're out of time for this interview.